0: Hey, my name's Sean, and uh, I'm one of the leaders here. And uh, <clears throat> I grew up cussing. Seems to be a theme, I don't know. Dropping F-bombs out on the basketball court, that's cool. That's what I did. So, man, what an awesome, awesome time I've had up there this weekend. It's been, it's been just a good time to uh, see the Spirit of God at work, and to see the collaboration, and to see the mixture, to see people come up from from different churches, different backgrounds, um, sometimes different points of view, different places on your spiritual journey. And to see the integration this weekend has been a blessing. It's been powerful. You guys have been the church, the bride of Christ this weekend. And that's a phenomenal thing. There is power in that. There is tremendous possibility in unity. I mean, I don't know if you're with me on that one. There are so many possibilities when we are as one. You know, every once in a while, life gives us a defining moment. I mean, it's a moment that has the ability to change the direction of our lives, To change the course of our life forever, it's a moment where we can look back years later and go, that was the moment. That was the line in the sand. That was where I turned. That's where I came into alignment with Jesus. It's a time in our moment, it's a time in our life that is a, it's a defining moment. I don't know if you've had one of those this weekend. I don't know if you've ever had a defining moment there's a man several years ago named Paul Potts who had a defining moment. Paul Potts was a 36-year-old Welsh man. He was kind of a lower middle class English man who grew up in South Wales, shy. He used to get picked on in school. He had a really low self-image. He was selling mobile phones, but he had a passion and he had a dream. And he believed that he was made for something more. You were made for something more watch this little video clip. But for the next contestant, the world of showbiz seems a million miles away. It's Paul, a mobile phone salesman from South Wales. By day, I'd sell mobile phones. My dream is to spend my life doing what I feel that like I was born to do. Paul, what are you here for today, Paul? To sing opera. I've always wanted to sing as a career. Confidence is, has always been sort of like a difficult thing for me. I've always found it a little bit difficult to be completely confident in myself. Okay, ready when you are. То work at Carphone Warehouse <laughs> And you did that. I wasn't expecting that. No, neither much. was I. <laughs> this was a complete breath of fresh air. I thought you were absolutely fantastic. You have an incredible voice. I think if you keep singing like that, you are going to be one of the favourites to win this whole competition. We've got a case of a little lump of coal here that is going to turn into a diamond yes. Okay, moment of truth young man, here's Absolutely, yes Amanda. Yes Paul you are through to the next round That was awesome. (laughs) Man, you guys are singing, you're with it. You're in the moment. Oh my gosh. I was watching that the other day with my friend and I've probably seen it a hundred times and uh, we were reflecting on the fact that that just doesn't get old. Because we were made for something more. What is your dream? What were you born to do? One of the most fundamental beliefs that Christian spirituality has is that you and I were born to know God. You were born to be in a love affair, not a religion. You were born to be in a relationship of intimacy with the creator of the whole world. You were born to know him, to show him, to reflect him to everybody that you come in contact with. What are the possibilities if we lived as one in relationship? with the God of the universe Paul said that I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings even being conformed to his death Paul wanted to go to the absolute lengths to know God Moses said show me your ways so that I might know you God told Jeremiah I knew you before I even formed you in the womb And Jesus, our Lord, in one of his last earthly prayers, said to his followers, this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You and I were designed to know God. This is our purpose in life, that we may know him and that we may reflect him to the whole world. As Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He didn't say you're going to become the light of the world. He said, you are the light of the world. What are the possibilities if we live in unity? What could happen with this many people? Really, there's one word that sums it all up. It's one word that I think sums it up better than any other word, and that is the word worship. It's the word worship. You and I were born to live a life of worship. The book of Romans is this mountain of theology. It's it's, it's one of the highlights, if not the highlight of the whole Bible. And the Apostle Paul writes this letter and he tells the story of redemption. He starts in the garden and he reflects on how we went wrong and how God has reached out and redeemed us and how he has this plan to set all the world right. One day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. He's going to appear again. And he's going to set everything right. And we're on this journey, and he talks about faith. He talks about the fact that we trust in him by faith, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that we're saved through the cross, and that he has poured out his love in us through his Holy Spirit. We can call him Daddy because he loves us so much. And he goes through all this incredible theology and this story of God, and he gets to the end, and he says... Because of all of that, this is what I want you to do. Look down in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. He says, therefore, because of all of that, I urge you. I don't just ask you in a polite way. I don't suggest to you. He says, I urge you. I mean, this is a big deal. He's like a coach saying, come on, get up. I know you're scraped up. I know you've been injured in life. I know you're hurt, but I'm going to urge you to do something here. He says, brothers, in view of God's mercy, we have a merciful God, amen? Amen. Mercy triumphs over judgment. He says, "I, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. When we lay down and we die, when we give up, when we surrender, I had a a friend that always used to pray like this because he always wanted to be letting go of whatever he was holding on to. He always wanted to be in a humble position, in a receiving position. And I would open my eyes right in the middle of prayer time, believe it or not, and I would just see him, boom, right like that. God, I give up my rights. I give up my pride, I give up my shame, I give up blaming other people for my problems, I give up hiding, and I, I just give it all to you, I give up my plans, and I say, have your way, God. There's an old hymn that says, have thine own way, have thine own way, you are the potter, and I am the clay. And he said, just open his hands, it's a good habit to get into. We are living sacrifices with open hands, holy and pleasing to God because of the work of Jesus in our lives. And so we can live the possibilities of unity through living a life of worship. He goes on in verse two and he gives a huge challenge. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. You know, don't get crunched in. Don't get boxed in. Don't follow the lie. Back in Romans chapter 1, Paul said that they traded the truth for a lie. You guys remember that? They made a a trade. It happened way back in the Garden of Eden. And the trade went something like this. You can do a better job with your life than God can. You can be in charge of your life and you can control things and you can manipulate things and you can fulfill all your dreams better than God can. So don't, don't trust in him. Go after your stuff. And Paul says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't do that. He says, you need to make a trade back. You need to trade the lie that culture has sold you for the truth of God. That he is all sufficient. That he is a God of grace and truth. That he can take anyone from anywhere and make you a brand new person. That if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And the old is gone and the new just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming this is the God that we serve so he says don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed be changed I mean if we're not doing this for transformation why are we doing it if we're not changing if we don't read the scriptures for transformation then why do we read them Because certainly it's not so that we can have a bunch of knowledge. Certainly it's not so that we can do religion. We're sick of that. I flunked religion when I was a kid. I grew up in church and I just flunked out. I went halfway through my confirmation and boom, it was done. I got an F. I'm telling you. If we're not being changed, then what's the point? There is power in the gospel but we have to engage it as a living sacrifice. We have to make a choice to come back into alignment with the God of the world. And so he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we need to begin to think correctly. There's some things and some patterns of our mind that need to be broken. We need to meditate on God's word. We need to be in community and read the scriptures in community. We need to challenge one another. We need to get the lenses taken off of our eyes, get our presuppositions challenged, and this is why we come together as one. Because Epic Life, I need you guys to make me dance. Because I don't like to dance, you know? I'm telling you, I need to get the lenses taken off. It's not just about me and how I see the world. Some of you need to go next summer and you need to live in poverty and you need to see the way that people in poverty read the scriptures we need to have things challenged in our life it's a it's a a pattern of thinking that needs to become new and so paul says be renewed by the way that you think that doesn't happen without being showered by the word of god and it doesn't happen without reading in community and so when you read in community challenge one another but love one another and find yourself in the text and go what does god say about me what is he saying about me here He says, then, and here's here's the exciting part. Here's the boom chicka boom. I'm saying, this is is the good part, I'm telling you. (laughs) Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. You guys wanna know what God's will is for your life, right? I mean, you wanna know what God's will is. What's God's will, Sean? Well, Well, I don't know what God's will is for your life. He wants to show you some things. He wants to speak to you about... A year and a half ago, I was laying on my bed. I still remember right where I was. And, and, and I don't know how God speaks. I don't know how it, how it works. But I got this idea in my mind that I needed to talk to some other college directors and pastors in the area. I needed to, I needed to have some fellowship, you know? Because ministry can get lonely. Ministry can be a struggle. It's a long road. And I'm like, man, I like to drink coffee. Most college leaders like to drink coffee. So I'm going to start having coffees. And uh, I went to this party, lo and behold, and Sal was there. Where's Sal there he is boom right there and we started talking he said yeah i'm a part of this college ministry over here and then he introduced me to eric and i met greg and emily and and i started meeting all these different people and then through a mutual friend in in my church i met these awesome people over here from chico yeah chad and greg and and it was just an amazing thing i just watched the spirit of god and kind of holding your hands open going is this stuff what are you doing here I mean, I don't know how you work, God, and how you move. You, you're, you're like the wind. I can't tell where you're coming from or where you're going. But I know that you have a passion, and that is to draw people into a love affair with yourself. He says, his good, God is good. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. He doesn't show any distinction. He doesn't show any prejudice. He's a good God his pleasing and perfect will. He has a perfect will for your life. He absolutely sees you and he is your greatest champion. And he looks at us and he says, there's my bride. There's the one I died for. There's the one that's coming to the wedding banquet and we're gonna have a party someday. It's going to be phenomenal. God is so good. And yet we live in a world of pain. And some of you I know are out there going, but what about my life? I've got to go home. And I've got a load of crap waiting for me. I've got relationships that are broken. I've got stuff in my life that is dysfunctional. I have addictions that I'm facing. I've got things and patterns that I can't stop. And, 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 and I go to church and it's not like this. It's not, it doesn't feel like this. And this is a mountaintop and I've got to go back. And what, what am I going to do here? Well, what are the possibilities of unity? What are the possibilities of what God has begun here being a defining moment in your life, being a defining moment in the ministries that that we're a part of? And one day, could we look back on this moment and go, that's where something started. That's what what God began to do. Those were the early seeds. And we're gonna have to get a bigger building someday. I don't know, when we go away to a retreat. Because God can do anything. The possibilities are endless. But some of you are saying, well, I don't know. I mean, look at the world. There's radical evil. The world seems to be getting worse. I know that Jesus came. I know he rose from the dead. I know that the kingdom of heaven is breaking in with power. And God is doing things just like he did last night with you guys. And yet we live in a world that is so absolutely dysfunctional. And absolutely out of control, crazy. That walking with Jesus absolutely seems stupid and counterintuitive to our culture. And Jesus continues to say, Come. And this is why God gives us places, He gives us moments, He gives us people in our lives, He makes us as one. You know, 1500 years ago, there was a group of people that faced radical evil, and they were slaves. And they had been slaves for 400 years. And God brought them out of Egypt. It's this thing called the Exodus. And he brought them into a place of freedom, a place of abundance. And when he did, he told their leader, Moses, to build a place. He said, build this place called the tabernacle. And it was this place where where God would show his presence. It was a place of, of congregation. It was a place of meeting. More than anything, it was a place of relationship. It was a place where people could connect with the God who is holy and they could connect with one another. And they would sing and they would experience life together. God gives us places. He gives you places and he gives me places. Hume Lake is a place for me. When I was 20 years old, I went to Hume Lake, and I I gave my life to Jesus. And I remember, I I don't remember anything about the speaker. I don't remember anything about the worship. I remember laying on this bunk in one of the cabins, and I remember laying there going, okay, God, I've seen more people turn their back on you than walk with you. And so if I'm going to do this thing, it better be all or nothing, I mean, it needs to be all or nothing. I need to go radical with you because I know myself. I know my weakness. I know my heart. If I don't go all out with you, if you don't hold on to me, then I'm just going to shame you. I'm going to just walk away from you. And so I said, God, and this is January 1st, 1988. I'm, I'm laying there and I'm like, okay, God, I, I'm a 20-year-old college student. Would you take my life and just do radical things? And you know, the funny thing about God is he loves those kind of prayers, he loves to take us and go, okay, you want me to do radical things with your life? <laughs> You're gonna be a living sacrifice and, and it's gonna hurt because I need to break you. I need to take your heart a stone, as Ezekiel says, and I need to create a heart, a flesh, one that beats again, one that hurts again uh, for others, one that, one that shows compassion again, one that understands how to listen to that still small voice that Eric was talking about, that, that voice of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to us. And so God began to work on my life. And for the next six months, I just hung out with a bunch of college students, just like you guys, a bunch of young adults, just like you guys, a bunch of guys that like to play basketball. And I got invited to go over to the Philippines and play, and it was my dream to get a scholarship to Santa Barbara, and I didn't get it, and I hated that, and I was bitter against basketball, and I said, I'm never going to pick up a ball again. I'm, I'm done with that. And, and I got invited to go on this trip, and I said, well, okay, I guess I'll go. And I went over, and I, I remember this one game, my brother and I were there, and uh, it was a dirt court, it was like a slant, one basketball was like nine feet and so we warmed up on that one because so we could dunk it and then the other one was like 11 feet and uh, the the sewage system of this of this little this little barrio ran on the out-of-bounds line all around the court and so if the ball hit the line you would just ask for a sub yeah I'll come out and because you didn't want to touch it it was filthy dirty and we were sitting there and at halftime we would sing these songs and somebody would share their testimony I remember standing next to my brother and we're singing this song And one of us, I don't remember which one, leaned over to each other and we said, you know, if our dreams would have come true, we would have been playing basketball in some college stadium. And we paused and we looked at each other and we looked at the people and we said, no, this is where God wants us, right here. And that radically changed my life because for the first time in my life, I realized that God could use me, that God could use me, a screw up that you know, did all sorts of crazy things as a high school student and as an early college student. Three weeks before I became a Christian, I went to the Pink Floyd concert, 1987, down in Oakland Coliseum. It was a good concert, played for three hours without stopping. <laughs> Boom, it was awesome. And uh, I was riding home and my buddy who was taking shrooms fell asleep at the wheel and he just like fell over. And so we started going off Highway 880. You know those little bumps? It was like, brum, prom prom, prom,." And I'm like, we're gonna die. And I reached over and got us off, and I thought, man, I, I better do some business with God. Because, you see, the way I was going, I was like, well, I don't know if I want to walk with you, God, because I grew up in church, and I knew the morality, and I knew how hard it was, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that. And my brother became a Christian. And he's like, come live with me. I don't want to live with you, because if, if I live with you, I'll become a Christian. And I'm not ready for that yet. I'd been kicked out of my house, and I was living in my car, and I was going around to different places, crashing on couches, and I'm like, all right. I'll live with you, dude. And it was amazing, because my, my brother, who had become a Christian, he, didn't, he never preached at me. You know, he never, he never made me feel worthless or guilty or dumb or anything like that because of my ignorance of, of God or the Bible or anything else. But you know what he did? He paid my rent. And he gave me some food. And he let me live in his home when I had nowhere else to go. And through him and through some other people just like you, my life was changed. Imagine the possibilities of unity. Imagine the people that you can touch. If this many people wandered back to the Sacramento area, to the Davis area, up to Chico, and began to live as a living sacrifice, what are the possibilities? They're endless. Will somebody dream with me? I mean, I'm getting too old to not dream, because if I don't have a dream, I'm just done, all right? I mean, I I need to dream a little bit. And I need to dream that your generation will rise up, and there'll be a movement. That this will be a defining weekend for us. The tabernacle was made up of three different parts. The the word tabernacle in the Hebrew is mishkan, mishkan. And it literally means to dwell or, to, or to, to make your tent, to stay for a while, to camp out. And it had three different parts. There was this outer court. And in the outer court, there was only one way to get in to the tabernacle there was one opening the 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 Hebrews called it the way and they would enter in and then once you went in there was a huge uh there was a there was a, a huge basin of water where the priests would wash up because right around there there was a there was a um there was an altar where the sacrifices would take place for the sins of the people and then you would, went a little bit further and there was the tabernacle proper and it was split up into into two-thirds and one-third two-thirds of it was called the holy place, and it was here that the priests would enter. And when they would enter, they would look to the right, and there were candles. It was this thing called the menorah. And then they would look to the left, and there was bread, and there was 12 loaves of bread representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And then they would look forward, and there was an altar of incense that was always burning, representing God's faithfulness and the the prayers of his people and, and the relationship that was unbroken and connected. And then right behind that altar of incense, there was a curtain. And once a year, one person called the high priest would enter in. And there was the Ark of the Covenant. There was God's presence. It used to say that Moses used to speak to God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. This is the kind of intimacy that God wants with you. And they went on like this for 1,500 years. Once a year, the high priest would go in and he would offer a sacrifice for his sins and the sins of the people. And then next year, they would do it again and again and again. And they built a temple and they did it again and again and again. And later on, they built a second temple and they did it more and they did it more and they did it more until one day, one day somebody came along. And this person, he didn't build a tabernacle but he was the gate, he was the way. And he didn't offer a sacrifice of an animal, but he offered himself on the cross. And he didn't need to wash up from his own sins because he cleansed us of all of ours. He was perfect in all of his ways. He didn't have a a light, but he said, I'm the light of the world. He was the light. He said, I am the bread of life. And he offered himself as a, as a sweet aroma, a fragrance, a fragrance pleasing to God. And when he went into the Holy of Holies, the curtain of the temple was torn in two to give us all access. And he went in one time because after he went in, he sat down. He sat down because it was finished. He sat down at the right hand of God, signifying all authority. And now he says, Come. Come to me, every single one of you that wants life. Drink from me. Drink of the water that will quench your thirst. Come to me when you're weary and you're tired and the culture is squeezing you out and the pain of your life is too much. Would you just come, he says. Come to me. Ah, we have a, a great high priest. We have a great God that has passed through the heavens. I wonder, do you know him? Do you know him? Will you offer yourself as a living sacrifice? Will we be as one? Will this be a defining weekend for us? Every once in a while, life gives us a defining moment. In 1992, I sat on my couch and I watched the TV in the middle of the night because I wanted to see the 400 meters in the Olympic Games. I ran the 400 meters in high school it's one of the most exhausting events that you can experience. It's basically a sprint. I mean, yeah, on the backside, you're gonna stretch your legs out and you're gonna try to keep yourself in control and you're gonna try to breathe right, but it is not a run. It is an all out agonizing event. Derek Redmond was one of the most phenomenal runners that Britain ever had. In 1988, he went to Seoul, Korea. I've been in the stadium in Seoul, Korea. It's pretty amazing. And he went there as one of the favorites, but unfortunately, even before his event, he was injured. His, his career was plagued with injuries. He had surgery after surgery after surgery, and he had this dream that he was going to finish this race in the Olympics. And so in 1992, he started his race. He took off, and he began to run. And he was doing well. Again, he was one of the favorites. And he began to move down the track, striding out. And then in his own experiences, in his own words, he said he heard a popping sound. And then he felt the pain of any runner's nightmare, which is a pulled hamstring. And he couldn't go on. He was done. That was it. Dream over. And then he thought to himself, I didn't come here to quit and so he got up and in his agony he began to move forward and I was sitting on my couch back in 1992 going holy crap I can't believe this is happening is this really happening why don't I have a DVR they haven't been invented yet this is amazing <laughs> and he was walking and limping and it, it got too much for him the crowd was cheering him on but he, but he had to stop The security guards tried to get him off the track and he wouldn't have anything of it. And so he was just sitting there and then all of a sudden this guy jumps out of the stands and he runs up to him and he puts his hands on his shoulders. And Derek thought that it was a security guard and he tried to shrug him off and he turned around and he was face to face with his dad. And they began to walk side by side. His dad said, son, you don't have to do this. And his son said, yes, I do. Him and his dad hadn't gotten along in a long time, and this moment repaired their relationship. And side by side, in Olympic Stadium, they walked all the way to the finish. You guys, we have a God that enters into the race of life with us. And he sees the injury in our life, the relational injury, the spiritual injury, the financial injury, We know what it's like to be injured. We know what it's like not to be able to go on. And he comes and he lifts us up and he puts his hands on our shoulders and he walks with us every step of the way. And then he says, do for each other what I have done for you. You Remember John 13? Jesus says to the disciples, now that I, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, You need to wash one another's feet. This is what it means to be as one. What are the possibilities if we lived like that? If we loved like that? We got a great God, you see, he's not hindered. It's us that are hindered. And as we live in a life like this with open hands, a life of sacrifice, a life of worship, the possibilities Are endless I have a dream that you guys will go shake the foundations of your cities that you will shake the foundation of your schools and you know what I I can't do it your leaders can't do it it's up to you guys it is your generation that needs to make it happen we can mobilize we can equip we can encourage we can counsel but you must go It is you guys. You must go and shake the foundations of your cities and your families and your schools and wherever you're from. The possibilities of unity are endless, you guys. And let this weekend be a phenomenal defining moment. Would you pray with me this morning? Oh God, God of gods, Lord of lords, king of kings, we come before you right now and we just proclaim that you are God, You are over everything. You are holy, and you are righteous altogether. And God, the story of this world is a story of of people that have run away, and we've been hiding from you ever since the very beginning. And you've come walking along, and you said, where are you? I want to reach out to you. I want you to come to me. I want to repair your life. I want to rescue you. And maybe you've been up here this whole weekend and you've been holding out and and you've been waiting and you've been unsure and now is the time, now is your defining moment where you draw a line in the sand and you say, I belong to Jesus. I don't know everything, I don't have it all figured out and, 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 and that's okay because I'm going to take a step forward towards Jesus this morning. And this weekend will be the defining moment in my life. This weekend will be the defining moment for us as a community, as your bride, Lord, as the church. And so we come to you, and all we can do is have open hands. All we can do is surrender to you and live our lives as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. Not letting the world squeeze us out, not letting the world manipulate us, but following hard after you, Lord Jesus. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters, for their protection. God, as they go home to all sorts of different situations, that you would surround them with your protection, that you would fill them with your spirit, that you would give them confidence in you that outweighs any sort of doubt that creeps up in their own hearts and their own minds, that they would give every thought captive to the obedience of Christ God, use them, fill them. I thank you for these followers of Jesus, for these lovers of God, for these these young people that are passionate about changing their generation. And God, I know it can happen because the possibilities with you are endless. Ah, you're so good, God. Just as we're in an attitude of prayer, I wanna invite Greg up and, the band up and um, we're going to end our weekend doing one of the most phenomenal things that Christians do that truly bring us into a place of unity and as one.